If you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. This is an intense passage. Have you noticed that? Were you here last week? Intense stuff. Intense stuff in Matthew 10. Jesus starts out by telling his disciples, I'm going to send you out. And then last week, he said, oh, by the way, everyone's going to hate you. Great. And tonight it gets scarier. We're going to read these passages here. Uh, Matthew 10, verses 34 through 42. Oh, wait, you can find it. You got it, Margie. Matthew 10, 34 through 42. And that song we just sang, it's like stuck in my head. I've never had a song stuck in my head while I'm preaching before. I want to start singing it. I'm going to resist that urge for your sake. Matthew 10, 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother is more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward." And Jesus says the kingdom of God will come with death. (laughs) The kingdom of God will come with a sword. The kingdom of God will come with murder, division, brokenness, suffering, pain and blood and bloodshed. The kingdom of God will come with violence. (laughs) How many of you are comfortable with that? I'll talk to both of you guys afterwards. <laughs> kind of sounds like the Crusades, doesn't it? The kingdom of God is coming. Grab your sword and go kill people. The kingdom of God is coming. You better get on board or else your blood will be shed. The kingdom of God needs to emerge throughout the earth, and so we should take up arms, go throughout the earth, and kill people who don't believe in what we believe. We don't like the kingdom of God will come with violence mentality. We watch the news and we see that there are people in this world who are trying to bring what they think is the kingdom of God with violence. Beheadings. Murder. Finding someone within a family who doesn't believe in Christ and killing them for that. Coming into a country and taking down anyone who doesn't believe what they believe in the name of the kingdom of God because they believe the kingdom of God will come with violence. In the first century, when Jesus ministered, that's what a lot of people thought, even then, too. Jewish people, the disciples of Jesus, even. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? 
He's talking about swords, and Peter's like, we've got two swords. She says, that's enough swords. And then a guy comes and grabs Jesus, and Peter like, whoosh, takes out his sword and goes after the guy, cuts off his ear, right? That's what Peter thinks the kingdom of God is going to look like. It's time for the rebellion to rise up. The people of God in Jesus' day, Israel, they, they were waiting for this Messiah who would come and overthrow Rome. That's why when you read about Jesus on Palm Sunday, he comes into town and they're laying down palm branches and saying, Hosanna is the, in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Here is our King. And they expected their King to walk up the steps of the temple, ascend to his throne, sit down and begin to rule. And the first order of business would be to kill the Romans who had occupied Israel. They were waiting for a Messiah who would come with a sword, with violence, with bloodshed, with anger, righteous anger, to go out and kill all of those who opposed their God. They wanted that Messiah. There were several people in Jesus' day, after Jesus' day, before Jesus' day, who had come and said, I am the Messiah. I'm going to overthrow the Roman government and Israel will reign. And they were waiting for Jesus to do the same thing. So on one hand... When Jesus says the kingdom of God will come with a sword, with violence, with bloodshed, with murder, that's what they were expecting. But what they weren't expecting is that when Jesus describes this violence, he's not talking about a war against Rome. He starts describing a civil war. He says, here's where the violence is going to happen in your house. Because my ministry, my mission, my gospel, sending you out is going to divide households. And he told his disciples, go only to the lost sheep of Israel. Go to those guys, and they're going to hate you, and their households are going to get shredded apart. People will be put to death because of you. The kingdom of God will come with violence, and you will be the instigator of that violence. And you will not take Israel, gather them, and then use them as your army. You will go into the homes of the people of Israel, and as you do ministry, violence will erupt. Bloodshed will happen. People will be kicked out. Families will be destroyed because of you. And everyone's going to hate you. Because in a sense, you're the one who caused that violence. It's not a very pleasant passage. <laughs> the kingdom of God will come with violence. Now, some of you may have experienced that a little bit. Maybe you haven't experienced the violence. Maybe you've seen the news and seen the real violence, right? Someone becomes a Christian and they're kicked out of their home. Today, other parts of the world, right? Maybe you became a Christian. You felt like you were being kicked out of your home. Maybe you actually were. And some of us know people, some of us are people who came to know Christ and were excommunicated. Some of us in this room were in other religions and then we met Jesus and then we were shunned from our family and our friends. I think a lot of times when we think about the kingdom of God coming with violence, we think that we're the ones holding the swords. <laughs> Jesus says, no, 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 you're the one who the sword is pointed at. That's how the violence works. Right? If, here's an, if there's a household in Israel and you come to Christ in that Jewish household, and they say we're going to kick out our son, they're talking about you, right? If a mother comes to Christ and the family says, we're going to put that mother to death, they're talking about the Christ follower. Right? He's not saying you're going to go in and start killing people. He says you're going to go into households, and people are going to turn to know Jesus, and they will be killed. 
The civil war is not God's people taking up arms and killing the Jewish people. It's the Jewish people, Jesus says, we are going to take up arms and shun and kill the people who turn to know the Messiah. We're the ones who have the swords pointed at us. Sometimes you hear Christians talk about how we're going to go out and do this and we're going to take the world over and the world's going to hell. We're going to, uh, it's like, hold on. When you read about the gospel in the Bible, the Christians are an amazing, powerful force, but they're a powerful force that are a peaceful people who keep getting slaughtered for what they believe. You don't see Christians in the New Testament going out and killing people. You see Christians in the New Testament going out and getting killed by people. Or that's the violence. Or Acts chapter 6, a guy named Stephen, a man who was full of Holy Spirit, full of faith. He was a deacon in the church, the first deacon in the church. And he had an opportunity to stand up and share his faith with the Jewish world. And they heard his words and they killed him. The kingdom of God, as it entered into that land, it came with violence. And Stephen was killed. He didn't go out and kill others. He was killed himself. And Paul, before he was converted... He was on a rampage going out to kill Christians, going into synagogues, finding any of the followers of the way, he said, and ripping them out of there and putting them to death. He was a murderer of Christ followers. And then Jesus stopped him and said, Paul, that's what I'm talking about, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Stop. You think you're on a holy rampage. You're killing me and my people. All of us who follow Jesus, who are hated by others, who are killed by others, who are discarded by others, we're followers of Jesus because that's what happened to him. Jesus didn't march in to Israel on Palm Sunday and everyone says, this guy's awesome, and they make him the king and he reigns forever at the end of the story, right? They turned on him. They killed him. They put him to death. Jesus says, that's how my gospel works. Death brings forth life. People hate you, and God uses that to bring them to him. People hate you, and they persecute you, and God uses that to bring others to him. People hate you, and they kill you, and God uses that to show the world what happened to him. You are the object of scorn and hatred and division and outcasting. Just like Jesus. He's the one we're following. Right? It says it. Unless you deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. Right? And we read that and we say, oh, okay, I get it, because Jesus died. Now we get to die. When Jesus was saying that, nobody knew he was going to be crucified yet, right? So it's almost like I said, hey, just so you guys know, unless you go and get a lethal injection, you can't follow Jesus. Like, what? Unless you go to the electric chair, you can't follow Jesus. You're like, what are you talking about? Jesus was forecasting his death, but he was also giving a picture of what it looks like to follow him. He says, following me is that moment in life where you have to have that cross beam tied to you and carry it to the place where you will be crucified. And there's suffering there, and there's hatred there, and everyone's ridiculing there, and they're pointing at you there. That's what it's like to follow me. You want to know what it's like to follow Jesus? Read about Jesus walking from the Roman jail cell up to the place of the skull where he was crucified. And all the crowds are watching him, and there's blood everywhere, and he's suffering, and he's lumbering, and, and yet God's using it somehow. 
Jesus says, that's what it's like to go out on this missions trip I'm about to send you on. I send you out like sheep among wolves. So be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. You will be hated because of me. That's how it works. If you go into a household and you preach the good news, it's going to be divisive. You go to work, you start telling people about Jesus. It could be great. It also could be really divisive. You go to Christmas dinner, you go to Thanksgiving dinner, you go to a Halloween party, you start telling people about Jesus, it's going to be divisive. Jesus says, that's how it works. On account of me, you will be hated by everyone. Who's, in, who's up for it? Who's in, he says. And Jesus often scared people away, and it was almost part of his process. You know, he would gather all these crowds, because he did awesome stuff too, right? He healed people. Hey, suffer for Jesus, then he'll heal you. Maybe that's how it works, right? He, he would heal people, and he would pray, and people would be transformed. He would give people sight. He would rescue them from darkness and death. He would do amazing things. He resurrected people from the dead, and all these crowds would follow because they're like, I want to follow that guy. That's amazing. He's the Messiah. And then he says, hold on, before you come, everyone's going to hate you, and you're probably going to die for following me. And a lot of people left. Remember John 6? Everybody leaves. He says, unless you eat, your, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And then everyone leaves and he looks at the disciples and they're just kind of standing there. <laughs> and he says, well, what about you guys? I said, where else are we going to go? Only you have the words to eternal life. And Jesus, it sounds like it's going to be really hard to follow you, but who else are we going to follow? You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through you. Yeah, the whole world rejected you. The whole world will reject us if we follow you, but we're following you to heaven. And it's like we're carrying this cross up this road and we're bloody and everyone's pointing at us and laughing at us, but we know that when we get to the top, it's not our death we're awaiting, it's our life. It's like Stephen, when he was killed, when he was stoned and they were throwing rocks at him, he hit his knees, he forgave the people who were killing him and he saw Jesus and he said, I saw the heavens opening and the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the throne of God and the people got so angry that they murdered him in that moment. But Stephen knew that he was carrying that cross, as it were, not to a place of death but to a place of life on the other side of death. That crucifixion is a part of Christian life, but resurrection is the part we remember of Christian life. I mean, you live for Jesus, you will be hated, you will be scorned, you'll be thrown out of your house, your job, wherever, and they might kill you, and then you open your eyes and you're in the presence of God. So you can hear a teaching like, hey, just so you know, it's going to be really hard to follow Jesus, and you can leave, or you can say, well, I mean, but what other way is there? Only he has the words to eternal life. Jesus says, when you enter in a household, a lot of people in that household are going to hate you. People are going to turn to Christ, and a lot of people in that household are going to hate them. And you're going to be the reason they die, because you told them about me, and I guess I'm the reason they died. But anyone who welcomes you, they'll be rewarded. Anyone who really hears what you're saying and they believe it, their life will be changed forever. They'll be rewarded. Anyone who serves you, they'll be rewarded that you're walking into a place as this divisive being and some people will hate you and, and they're going to persecute you. Other people are going to listen to you intently and, and they're going to be transfixed and they're going to be transformed. And one of the craziest experiences I ever had was one that really demonstrates this idea of being a divisive force in the world. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. We were in Las Vegas on a missions trip. 
me and these high school kids, we decided it was called Take Nothing for the Journey. It was based on this passage. We're not going to take anything, right? We, I gave him a little bag like this big, and I said, go and raise as much money as you can. That's our budget, and we're just going to go. Take your stuff, no electronics, no hair dryers, or whatever fits in this little bag. You take that, and we're just going to go, and we're going to see what God does. And so we ended up in Vegas with uh, YWAM, Youth on a Mission. They're based there, and they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take you out to the Las Vegas Strip. <laughs> I can't believe we did this. We're going to take you out to the Las Vegas Strip, and we're going to tie a big old cross on one of the high school kids. <laughs> Some of you have never heard this story before. We're going to tie a big old cross on one of the high school kids. They didn't nail it to him. They tied it to him. And, and we started down at, like, what are the lions? Is that MGA, MGM Grand down there or whatever? Down at the bottom of the Strip. And we're just going to walk up the Strip. Not kind of uphill in a sense. Up the Strip. And, and one kid is just going to carry a cross, just kind of quietly. Just carry a cross. I guess they walk slowly. Carry a cross up the Las Vegas Strip like on their back, and the rest of us are just going to like walk behind them and see what happens. That was the plan, right? And I'm not into that kind of stuff, right? So they're explaining to the kids what we're going to do, and I'm thinking like, okay, I should have really planned this trip better, right? The whole like, let's just let God do whatever he wants to do, right? This is, and, and so they said, well, just, just kind of walk behind the kid, and if you see someone, if God's doing something, they said, go and find someone. Say, hey, can I ask, answer any questions you have? We're on a high school missions trip. I'd love to talk to you about it. I'm like, all right, well, all these kids are going to die, and I'm going to be fired, right? And, uh, so we, we walk past the first casino, and, and this guy just starts following us. Just like that, just like watching the cross and walking alongside the cross, right? And his family, like his girlfriend and his friend or whatever, this other girl, they were just like standing there watching their buddy or their boyfriend or whatever, just kind of like follow us up the, up the deal, right? And so they start following him. And this guy is just like following the cross. He's like transfixed on the cross. He's just following the cross up the street. And they're like following him, following him, following him, right? And, and so one of our kids comes up and says, hey, can I answer any questions? He's like, no, 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 I'm just... What's going on? What's going on, right? And, and by that time, his girlfriend and this other girl, they come up and they're like, dude, what are you doing? Let's go. He's like, I can't go yet. I can't. I got to talk to these guys. They're like, don't talk to them, right? And so he, he goes to this high school kid. He's like, listen. He's like, I just got back from Iraq and I did some things that I, I am ashamed of. I could never think God would ever forgive me. Would God forgive me? And his girlfriend's like, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. And this other girl's like, what are you doing talking to those people? Let's get out of here, right? And it was like this, it was so weird. It was like this tractor beam. And these couple was like, I can't, I can't. I have to talk to these people. I have to talk to these people. And I watched like this, like they're pulling on him from one side. And the cross is like pulling on him from the other side. And he's just like lumbering up the road following this cross. And his, his loved ones are yelling louder and louder, stay away from those Christians. Don't talk to those kids. Don't listen to what they say. He's like, I have to go with them. I have to. I'm like, I don't know where we're taking him. Like, like, I'm like, we're not going anywhere. Just going up to the top of the street, you know? And crazy, right? That's what Jesus says. You're going to enter into a household and some people are going to be like, get out of here. They're going to try to kill you. Other people are going to hear you and be like, I need this. I need this. This is the real deal. I need this. That's what you're doing. You're going into the world, you're bringing this message, and a lot of people are going to hate you and try to murder you, so be really careful. They'll probably succeed anyway, but some people down the road, they're going to be transfixed by your message and transformed by the Jesus you're preaching, and they'll be changed forever, and then they're going to go out and do it too, and they'll get murdered too. That's how it works. Sorry, that's how it works. One of the biggest reasons we know that Christianity is true, that the resurrection really happened, 
was because these guys who were like, oh, I don't want to follow Jesus, right? Who abandoned him at the crucifixion, who denied him after he raised from the dead, they turned into evangelism ninjas or whatever, right? They were all over the place. Probably not ninjas. They were all over. I thought about that word a little better. They were all over the place telling everyone about Jesus, right? Peter, James, those guys, James, the half-brother of Jesus who didn't believe in Jesus and then later told the whole world that his half-brother was God and rose from the dead. That guy, Paul or, or Peter who ran from Christ at the crucifixion after the resurrection, he came back into the ministry and he went after it and told everybody about Jesus. Paul, who was killing Christians and making a good living at it, he turns and starts following Jesus and then they kill him for it. All of these guys who were like, I don't want suffering, I don't want suffering. After the resurrection happened, they went into the world and they told everyone about Jesus. And when they said, we're going to kill you unless you stop doing it, they're like, then kill me, it's true. Why else would they do that? Why else would these guys start preaching the gospel and suffering and dying for it? And they knew what they were signing up for. If Jesus died and he was nobody, kind of like they thought when he died, like, oh, maybe we were, we were wrong, and they scattered. Then he rises from the dead, and they find out, whoa, he is who he said he was. And then they all died. All of them, all but John, they all died, just like he said would happen. Hey, if you follow Jesus, it's going to be fun sometimes. <laughs> Last week, we talked about going out and sharing your faith. And I talked to a few of you, and I had some opportunities this week, too, to reconnect with some old friends and share the gospel a little bit and share my story a little bit. And it's really cool because they're listening and they're nodding along. I'm like, this is great. We should do this more. But there comes a time when people are going to turn on you and hate you and put you to death and kick you out of their friendship groups and kick you out of their families and all it's going to happen. And if it's not happening, there's a chance you're not doing anything because he says, when you follow me, you will be hated for it. You're killed for it. On one hand, we say, well, you know what? In our culture, people are very accommodating of Christianity, so we're not going to suffer if we follow Jesus. Are you sure? Because right? all the time I hear Christians talking about how much everybody hates us in society. So how come nobody hates us? You can either be hated for being like a political jerk on Facebook, that kind of guy. Or, or you can be hated for sharing the gospel and loving people. And it doesn't even make sense, but they'll just hate you for it. That's what I'm talking about. Following Christ, sharing the gospel, loving people, serving people, giving up your possessions to help others, living radically, bringing people into your home, serving people on the streets, helping out in your kids' school, whatever, like just serving people with your life, and then folks will hate you for it. They just will. That's what we're signing up for. Jesus says, everyone who listens to you and their life will be changed forever. They're going to be rewarded by the Father in heaven. So you can either sit on the couch and have no one hate you, and the world keeps going to hell, but at least everyone likes you. <laughs> or you can hit the streets, you can go to school, you can go to work, you can step into your family and start sharing the gospel and serving people and loving people, and some people will hate you, some people will kick you out, and other people will be transformed and saved from death forever. Those are your choices, like I tell my kids. Those are our choices. Honestly, like, I often choose the path where I sit on the couch and everyone likes me because I like when people like me. 
But we live in a world where people are going to hell, where people are suffering, people need Jesus, and he says, you're the Jesus they're going to meet, right? Anyone who gives a cold cup of water, right? That, that's what you need to do. Jesus says, why did you never visit me in prison? Why did you never help me when I was hungry? Why didn't you? And we said, Jesus, when were you in prison? He's like, when the people were in prison, that was me. Now go and visit them in prison. Go and give them a cup of water. Go and give them food. Pretend like they're me. Now get off your couch and go. And sure, people will hate you. And maybe they'll kill you. But some will receive life. And even if they destroy your body, they can't destroy your soul. They'll throw rocks at you till you're dead, and then you'll be alive forever. They'll tie you to a cross and light it on fire, and you'll suffer and die, and then you'll be alive forever. They'll turn on a video camera, pull out a sword, cut off your head, and then you're alive forever. sucks <laughs> but that's what we signed up for and tonight as we receive communion have you ever noticed communion is a bloody reminder of what we signed up for and Jesus here's what I want you to remember I, I want you to remember that I was graphically and brutally murdered in front of you and in case you forget, every time you can, get together, take a piece of bread and rip it and pretend like it was my body and think about what happened to me. Every time you get together, take a cup of wine and picture that it's my blood that was spilled out as that Roman guard shoved a sword into my heart. Remember that? Think about that. Never forget about that. Remember that because there's life in that. That's the moment where life happened when I was consumed by the wrath of humankind, when I was consumed by the wrath of God. It was so that you would not have to be consumed, but you can have life. And now remember that. <laughs> and then go out into the world and be consumed by people's wrath so that they can avoid the wrath of God. Be consumed by people's wrath so that they can be transformed. Be like me. Be killed like I was killed. That's why it says whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we, we celebrate, we proclaim the gospel. We don't just eat it and we're sad that Jesus died. We eat it and we celebrate the fact that Jesus lives and that the way that he died was a way that brought us life and life to anyone who believes. Jesus wants us to be people who think about the way we're going to die too. He wants us to be people who'd rather die by the sword than die asleep in our beds, making no impact. We consume Jesus because Jesus was consumed, and then we go out and let people consume us. It's not the most fun message, but it's the words of life. Tonight, if you're someone who has not believed in Jesus, not followed Jesus, not rested your hope in Jesus, that's the gospel. Not that you're going to die, but that you're not going to die. That Jesus came to this earth, he suffered, even though he lived the beautiful, perfect life to bring in the kingdom. We killed him, he received the wrath of God for our sins, and then he rose from the dead and said, okay, now go and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. And so if you're like, how do I become a Christian? You trust him. You follow him. You ask him to forgive your sins. You turn from your wicked ways. You turn to Jesus and say, forgive me, use me, transform me. I want to follow you for the rest of my life and turn to him and receive forgiveness. Believe in his death on the cross. Believe in his resurrection from the grave. Rest into that. Because when Jesus came to earth, he did not ascend a throne in Jerusalem and sit down and kill Rome. That wasn't his plan. 
Jesus' plan was to fight the enemy, which was sin and death, and then emerge from the grave, ascend to his heavenly throne, sit down at the right hand of the throne of God, the bigger throne, and rule throughout all the earth forever. That was his plan. And he says, now follow me, be my subjects. Follow me, let me be your Lord. Follow me, let me adopt you into my family. Follow me and receive the forgiveness of God and become a subject of the kingdom, the everlasting kingdom. And just so you know, until that kingdom comes fully, the people of the kingdom of this world will hate you, but just keep holding on and love them and serve them and let them beat you because they beat me too. That's what happens. Trust me, and what happened to me probably will happen to you. But someday this kingdom that I started will last forever and you'll be a part of it. And so will the people that tried to kill you when they turned to know me too. So let's pray. And then those of us who are believers come forward and receive communion. Remember and proclaim the death of Christ in that moment. Let's pray.